Talia. Welcome to Good Luck Charlie. Just like you, I'm on the journey of self-discovery and I'm daily trying to learn what it means to find balance, create lifelong friendships, chase my dreams and invest in my future. So here's what I'm learning and loving on this crazy path of life. I'm so glad you decided to join me. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Future Me episode of the Good Luck Charlie podcast. I hope you have all had a fabulous week and that you are ready to learn a little bit more about different options for your career and your future, and also just to realize that you are not alone and you are not behind in life. Your timeline, there is no correct timeline for life, so the way that your life is working out right now is perfectly acceptable and good, and it's going to be perfect for you and exactly what your needs and your experiences are. So today I am talking to my wonderful cousin who I have looked up to and adored since since I can remember and she is incredible and I think you'll love hearing her story but she studied psychology initially out of school and then went back later and decided to study occupational therapy. So I love that she studied a few different things and really excelled at both of those but ultimately decided to go with OT And so I think you'll enjoy hearing a bit of that story as well, just confirming the idea that no timeline is correct and it's never too late to chop and change and move around. But I think it'll also be interesting to hear about why she stopped psychology as well as what she loves about OT and what a day in the life of an occupational therapist is. So if you're interested in psychology or if you're interested in working in the health field in general, or even if you just want to gain a little bit more of respect and appreciation for the roles that OTs and psychologists and everybody else have, this is the perfect episode for you. So thank you so much, Catherine, for your time and we'll jump right into it. Whoop, whoop. Hello, Catherine. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, very good. good. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for your time tonight. I'm definitely excited to hear more of your story because I kind of know the overview, but I'm sure I'll discover way more than what I'd ever heard about before, what grandma had passed down the grapevine. Um, So I think to begin with, you're obviously an OT now, but I know you've done a few different things since graduating high school from travel to different studying. So if you could talk through just from when you graduated high school to where you are now, why you chose to study psychology and then how you ended up as an OT. Sure, absolutely. So yes, I was born and raised in Toowoomba. So I went to primary school and high school here. Um, And I always strive to be a really high achiever. And I think that's how I determined my success in life. Um, In year 12, I was the school vice captain and our principal was a really lovely Christian man. Um, But near the end of year 12, I was witness to this really horrific car accident. Um, And in the car accident, it killed two people and then it severely injured two children. Mm -hmm. And so from that, I had PTSD. I just couldn't think straight. And I just kept questioning all the time, like, why was it their lives and not my own? And so I completely gave up on the idea of uni because I thought, my life is nothing, like it's not successful anymore. Um, And yeah, and so then my principal, actually, he had been praying for me and he wrote a letter of recommendation to the uni in Toowoomba. um, Mm -hmm. And then I was accepted into USQ. And at this stage, I was thinking of like completely pulling out all of my uni um, recommendations. Like I just didn't want anything to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I went to him and I thanked him for this letter and I said, I like, why did you do this to me? And he said, um, I haven't given up on you, so you cannot give up on yourself. Wow. And those words have just stuck with me. 
Um, so from that point on, I actually decided to study psychology. Um, one, because I loved the idea of helping people, um, but also because I wanted to understand what was going on in my brain and why I couldn't think straight. And um, I guess it's selfishly, I did it to help myself. Um, but then after my psychology degree, I applied for my honours year because your psychology degree is a three-year program and then you have to go off and do your honours. Um, and I wasn't actually accepted into the honours program. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this was another huge roadblock. And again, I measured my success in life on this. Um, and so instead of going to uni again, I actually ended up moving overseas to America. So I kind of had a gap year from university at that stage. Um, but before I went to America, I met with a guidance counsellor from USQ. Uh -huh. And I told her that I just loved the human mind so much. And I really, really wanted to keep helping people, but I didn't get into my honours year. Mm -hmm. And so she suggested OT or occupational Crazy. therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I knew some OTs from church. So I went and had a chat with them and I just fell in love with the idea of it. So mm -hmm. I ended up applying for the master's program of OT and I kept getting emails saying how hard it was to get in. The cutoffs were so high. So I was just kind of giving up on the idea of that as well. Wow. Um, yeah, so I was in America and I was kind of giving up on the idea of getting accepted into the program because I knew how hard it was. Mm -hmm. um, and then one night I called my now husband and I said to him that I don't feel like I'll get into this program. And he asked the obvious question, have you prayed about it? Yeah. And to be honest, I hadn't. Um, and so I prayed about it. And then the next morning I woke up and I received an acceptance letter into wow. the program. Yeah. So I then moved back to Australia um, and I studied at UQ for two and a half years. And then I walked out of my final exam in November last year and I was offered a job on the same day. Um, and then, yeah, it was very cool. And then I started a job in December. And so now I still work at the hospital. Yeah. Uh, so was it only a two and a half year degree because you'd already done psychology as an, the undergrad? Yes, that's correct. So yeah. the two and a half years is basically the four year undergrad of OT squished into two and a half years. Yeah. Crazy. So how did you get your job at the hospital so quickly? So I had applied for my position in, I think, August, I put in my job application. So I had had the job interview. And I think part of it was luck of the draw that they were just like hiring at that time. Um, but I had also put in a lot of effort to apply for the job and have my resume really well and I prepared really hard for the interview. So I think that helped as well. Mm -hmm. And throughout your OT program, you get so many opportunities for clinical experience and, and I guess work experience in the area that I felt really confident going into that. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll put it down to God. Yeah, love it. Uh, so I guess one of the questions I had had down was why did you ultimately decide not to be a psychologist? And was that purely just because you didn't get into your honours or was there already a little bit of doubt maybe in the back of your head? Uh, like, Did you realise that you only studied it so that you could help yourself, which by the way, isn't selfish at all. I wanted to say that before. Um, or was it just because you didn't get into honours and then you realised that there was bigger plans and options out there? I think all of the above that yeah. you just said, um, definitely. And I just wanted a job where I could physically do life alongside people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was working in a psychology clinic at the time of studying my degree and I noticed that people were coming in with the same kind of problems and the psychologist would just say, well, here are the strategies, go out and, and work it out. And now in hindsight, I know that not all psychologists are like that, mm-hmm. um, but I really wanted a job where I could be outside of the office, I could be in their home, like doing life with them where their life happens. Mm-hmm. No, that's beautiful. That makes sense. So then uh, before we move on to OT, just finally, if someone is considering studying psychology, what piece of advice would you think, would you want to tell them or what's something that you knew before you started? What would you pass on to someone who's considering doing psychology? I think that the the Bachelor's of Psychology is such an amazing degree and it will be so worth your time and energy, even if you don't become a psychologist out of it. Um, there is so much you can learn from it, but it's also a really wonderful stepping stone degree. Like it opens up so many doors. So from psychology, I went into OT, but other people in my cohort went into human resources and business and law. It just opens up so many opportunities. So my advice would be to go have a look at the programs online, um, but also go and talk to people that have done the degree before. Or go and talk to a psychologist and hear their experience of it. And I think that will help you get an understanding if you think that's for you or not. Yeah, that makes sense. And then also, if they if you don't get into that honours program, is that just done? Like you can't be a psychologist or what are other steps that you can take? Yeah. So there are lots of universities that you can apply for the honours program at. Uh-huh. Um, I only applied at one university, so... Maybe if I had applied at others, I would have gotten in. Um, But as far as I'm aware, you have to do your honours year. I guess once I didn't get in, I didn't really look into it a whole lot further, sorry. No, Um, no, it's not your fault. Yeah, but I think there are, and there are universities that offer you the four-year program. So there are some in Brisbane that you can get in straight away and honours is included. Um, Mm. It's just, yeah, the university I went to, they didn't do that. Yeah. Because I was like, that's it. That's pretty hard going if you have no idea if you're going to be a psychologist at the end. You had to have to do those three years not being sure. But then again, I yeah. guess it's helpful. Like I feel like a, psych- a psychology degree is 100% helpful in any field that you go into because everything Absolutely. has to do with people. Amazing. It's even helpful like when I'm with my brothers working out why they're behaving the way they are. <laughs> <laughs> Call that. So I think it's awesome to hear about just a typical day-to-day life because you can hear about what the role of an OT is or you hear all the highlights and the lowlights, but what is just an average day for you as an OT? What do you work through with your clients? What kind of uh, opportunities or things do you offer them? Yeah, if you could talk us through just a typical day as an OT for you, that would be amazing. Sure. So I thought I might start out by sharing actually what an occupational therapist is. Yes. That's okay. So our role is to look at what we call your occupations. So these are the things that occupy your time or that you have to do or want to do in your day. So that might be like having a shower, cooking, riding your notes at school, riding a horse, et cetera. Anything that you do, talking on your phone um, is your occupation. And so I get to look at in my role what, I guess, your diagnosis is, your interest, motivators. I then look at your environment and so where you have to do that activity. And then we work together and we work out why you can't do that certain occupation, what's making it really challenging for you. 
So it's actually a really rewarding job because we get to help people regain some independence in their life or do things that they never yeah. thought they could do. Um, so for me, I work in a stroke rehab ward at the moment. Um, so a typical day for me is that I start about 7.30 each morning um, and each morning I sit with the other OTs in my department and we prioritise all of our patients for the day. Um, we then call into the main hospital where all the other wards have also done the same thing and we let them know how our day's looking. If it's busy, they might be able to send someone to help us or if we can help, we might go to another ward and help them. Uh-huh. Um, so then after that, I might go and observe someone having a shower or I might cook breakfast with them. And while I'm doing that, I'm giving them some strategies of how they can do it more independently. So hopefully they can go home and do it by themselves. Yeah. And then at 10 a.m., I run a upper limb therapy group. And so I love this group because we get to assist stroke patients regain movement and function in their arm because when you've had a stroke most often you lose the use of one arm Um, so yeah I love that group that we just get to help people learn how to use their arms again Um, and then at 12 o'clock I will run a cognitive based group so we're giving patients some cognitive strategies and so that might look different some days it might be playing I don't know guess who with them but other days it might be planning a grocery list or sequencing the steps of how to make a cup of tea. So it looks a bit different every day, depending on who's in my group. Yeah, makes sense. And then the rest of my day, so somewhere in between all of that, (laughs) I might be doing a joint session with a speech pathologist and we might be helping someone who has cognitive deficits, for example, order a drink at the cafe. I could be with a physio helping them, someone stand outside to do gardening at our garden bed. Um, I might have a family meeting and and sometimes the family meetings are challenging because it's us recommending that this person needs to go into a nursing home. Um, But other times it's really quite a rewarding meeting to say this person has done so well. Um, I might go on a home visit where I get to go in and assess someone's home and we can make modifications to make it safer for them. Um, I would have meetings with other allied health and doctors I'm currently working on some projects to make the Queensland Health Service a bit better in rehab for goal setting with patients. Um, It could be discharge planning, writing notes, writing reports for NDIS. Um, There's so much that goes into our Mm -hmm. day that every day looks so different. Um, And the best part about where I work is that we have students with us all the time. So no matter what I'm doing in the day, I get to take along a student with me and teach them all of this as well. And then I finished work at four o'clock. Amazing. Super cool day. I love that there are so many different facets to it. And you have that teaching of the classes and also one-on-one with client patients and then working with physios and everybody. What would be your favorite part of the job then? What, when do you come home and think that was fun or that was the most rewarding and amazing part of my day? Uh, all of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love getting to work in a team with other staff and and allied health but I think the most rewarding part would be that I'm I'm there and I'm part of the picture when someone's regaining independence and it's in those little things that I find so rewarding so I just feel like I'll never get over that feeling when someone moves their finger again for the first time or 
they can make a cup of tea for themselves or they achieve their goals. These are things that we do so automatically and so simply Mm. that's really difficult for them. Um, And so getting to be there for them in those moments just makes the whole day so worth it. That's really cool. I love that you find it so exciting and just enjoy every aspect. And uh, for everybody, my mum had a really bad knee operation and couldn't walk for ages. And OTs were a huge part of her regaining the ability to function. And I remember her just being so thankful for the work that they did and always yeah, being really appreciative and also crediting a lot of her growth and ability to regain all of her ability to do everything to OTs. So I know from that perspective as well, how thankful patients are too. So you mentioned a few different aspects and areas before that OTs could work in hospitals or schools, etc. What are all the different environments where OTs could work? And also, how would you go about deciding what environment is best for you? Yeah, so there's so many areas that OTs can work, and I'll probably miss some of them, I'm sorry. Um, But to start off in a hospital, so you can work anywhere from birth to death. So you might be in paediatrics, orthopedics, hand therapy, rehab where I am, Mm -hmm. um, like cancer care, palliative care, the medical wards. Um, And then you might also be able to work in a school with students. Um, OTs can work in prisons in universities, um, in office spaces. So they look at ergonomic designs of things um, with sporting clubs. So a lot of Paralympians have Mm -hmm. a good OT behind them. Um, There's private practice and there's mental health. So there's so many areas. And once you're trained as an OT, you can go between all those areas because the core skills go with you. Once you get there, you might have to do a little extra professional development, um, Mm -hmm. but it's the same degree wherever you kind of go. Um, so my advice to working out where you should go is that when you're a student and, um, your universities offer you so many practical experiences, I would say, go out of your comfort zone, pick something that you're not quite sure about, or you're kind of thinking about, because once you actually have a job, it's a bit harder to move within that area. Um, but once you're a student, you have that opportunity and you have so much support to try things. And um, I was so fortunate to get a job where I was a student. But mm-hmm. before having this practice, I actually didn't want to work with adults or in rehab. I was pediatrics all the way. So I really Amazing. surprised myself by doing that as a student. Yeah. Um, and then getting a job, I chose to get a job in Queensland Health um, mm-hmm. because they were able to offer new grad support sessions to me. But they also offer each year we have to rotate between different wards. So I get to experience so much in a hospital that I'm employed by the same company. Yeah, that's so, Yeah, for me, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I was interested when you said that OTs can work in prisons. Uh, what kind of work would they do there? Yeah, so the prisons, particularly for patients or people that have been in a prison mm-hmm. for a long time, they lose a lot of occupations. So... If you think about someone who went into a prison, say, 20 years ago, and they're just coming out, iPhones weren't really around then. Um, So an OT's role might be helping them learn how to use a phone or learn how to use the bus system in Brisbane Mm because all of these things have just dramatically changed. Um, So I guess the role is about really going in and, and helping people survive 
on life outside of prison. That is so interesting. I never, it makes a lot of sense, but I never would have thought that. There's, what I love about all of these interviews is you realize there is so much more to every job than what you realize. And it just makes you have such a greater appreciation, but also realize the amount of options. Like no, I never would have thought OTs would work in prisons or that that was a possibility, but it makes sense. And it's an amazing opportunity. And I think that would be really cool experience really interesting absolutely and as a student you can put that down as a preference to have a prac there as well yeah that's cool and I do you had a placement at a school as well through university didn't you yes I did do you want to talk through a little bit what the role of an OT in a school is what you did and what you loved about it or didn't love about it sure so I worked um, across a few different schools in Brisbane with my supervisor Um, so our role was to go in we were given referrals so often from teachers saying this child won't sit still or I can't get them to concentrate in class and so our role would then to go in and we'd have a look at that child and again we'd have a look at the environment and kind of match up what's what's not working why can't this kid do his occupation and um, we get to step in and help so that might be in schools it's a lot of like sensory integration so or looking at the classroom might be a bit too busy for that child to concentrate. Um, it could be that they're having difficulty forming letters to write on the page. So we might make the task fun for them that they have to write a letter with shaving cream or something like that so that yeah. it's interesting to the child, but they're also still developing. Um, and then we would go to other schools where a child might have cerebral palsy, for example, and mm-hmm. we're in a wheelchair And so they actually couldn't access the playground at lunchtime to be with their friends. Um, So our job would be to go in and have a look at the environment and make our recommendations of how that playground could be more accessible for this child and his friends. Mm -hmm. So it was a very, very rewarding job. Um, I just have so much respect for teachers. And I I think the only challenge was that I went in and I had these, what I felt were really wonderful ideas and how I could just, change this kid's life and Mm. I sometimes it was really challenging to get teachers on board with that um, because teachers are so so busy and they just like their job is huge as it is and so um, I found it a bit challenging to make sure that I could actually work with the teachers to get the strategies going but that practice the best one I ever had and um, my mum being a school teacher now Mm. still asks me for advice and uh, it's just really rewarding to see kids be able to play at lunchtime or socialise with friends or write their name even because because of OT input. That's so special. It's amazing that one degree and one skill set can be applicable in so many areas. What It sounds like it's a very creative job and you constantly have to be thinking of ideas. How do you how do you deal with that do you feel that ideas come easily or there's kind of a large bank of ideas and resources to help these people or are you constantly creating and thinking of new ways to assist in occupations yeah so everything that we have to do as occupational therapists needs to be Mm evidence-based so a lot of what we do does come from research papers that have been written um, or we go to professional development so we learn from other OTs in the field as well. Um, But there is still room for creativity. So I guess with, um, for example, that school prac Mm -hmm. that I did, we had children with very special interest in things. So 
like dinosaurs or fairies and so you kind of target that activity to you could add a dinosaur in it to help motivate the child um so yeah you can be as creative as you want to be um i have a whole pinterest board for occupational therapy um and there's so much on there and just the creativity that other people have um, yeah. But I guess we just need to make sure that whatever we're doing still is evidence-based um, and we're not doing it just for the sake of doing it. Yeah, that makes sense. So who collects that evidence-based resources and ideas then? Yeah, so each OT is responsible, um, I guess, for that. So each year we have to have a certain amount of professional development hours that we do. Yeah. Um, so, for example, the structure in my ward that I work in is I have a senior OT above me, mm-hmm. and so she has collected resources for years and evidence-based. So when I entered her ward, she did give me a lot of resources and education, but now that she's given me that really good foundation, I've actually been able to go off and do all my own research and sign up for my own professional yes. development okay. courses. Um, and then you can kind of do what you're interested in and so I'm really interested in like say one area of OT and one of my other OTs is interested in something else so we've both gone and researched different things but we can share that knowledge with each other yeah yeah that's really cool it's amazing that you always keep on learning and that you all help each other learn and create up with the new ideas that's really really interesting I hadn't thought there'd be so much research or extra activities and things you had to do involved it almost seems like you would think that that's up to an OT who's gone on and done honours or doctorate or something, but it's amazing that you're all responsible and you're all on the ground doing the work while also researching and learning more. It's really cool. Absolutely. And we love having students come to us because they contribute so much to the healthcare service because they're at university learning the most up-to-date information. Yes. So when a student comes on to prep with us, we will take anything, any of their knowledge that they have because we know that it's up-to-date and evidence-based. Yeah, that's really cool. What is the biggest thing for students to learn when they get to you? What's the biggest thing that they weren't taught in university that the practice of is so different? Oh, that's a really good question. Yeah, I think that because at university, they when you're not on a prep with someone, um, a lot of the situations where you're practice in your OT is a simulated situation yeah and so I think at university it's and it's hard for them to teach it but um they can't really teach you that extra family dynamics and how to deal with emotions of people that have just lost this independence and um it's not really until you get to the workforce and you start working with these people one-on-one and listening to their stories that um emotions become involved and sometimes that is anger Mm-hmm. Um, and sure, at uni, they do teach you strategies of how to calm anger, but it's not till you're in that situation that you actually work out some of those strategies for yourself. Yeah. No, so, yeah, I think that's probably, that was probably a bit challenging that they, it's hard for them to teach you. So I think you need to learn it in the workplace. Yeah, yeah. So what would then be your biggest piece of advice to a student? I think to remain humble. Um, mm-hmm. It is such a privilege to be invited into someone's life at this time. Um, And for my stroke patients, for example, maybe three weeks ago, they were independently living their life like you and I, and now they can't do that anymore. They can't even wipe their own bottom when they go to the toilet. And 
just everything that they could do has been taken away from them. And I think it's so easy sometimes for us to get caught in that trap of we're here to help you um, and you should be grateful for what we're doing. So I think it's really important to remember that, that yeah, it's such a privilege to be in this life, in this situation with these people and um, to be able to go into their homes and make recommendations and they so yeah. trust your opinion. Um, but I think if you're not humble, you're probably not in the right place to be helping these people. So I guess the similar lines on that then, what do you think is the most important characteristic or quality for an OT to have? I think the ability to listen to people um, and not always jump in with your opinion. And one of the things I love about OT is that we focus on the patient being the expert of their own life. Um, You know so much more about your life than I know about your life. (laughs) And so um, it's, I love that in OT that once we start listening and we start hearing the patient's stories, our therapy actually evolves out of that. Um, yeah. We make goals that are really meaningful to the patient um, and then we can use what motivates them in our therapy. So I think being able to listen and not put in your own thoughts on something straight away. That's really beautiful. It's a beautiful answer. So special for you to be able to walk beside those people exactly like you had said you wanted and do life with them and help them regain so much. Do you feel like patients are often very accepting of help or can it be a challenge for them to accept it because they're used to having so much autonomy? Yeah, I think it can be a challenge sometimes. Um, But the majority of the time I find patients, they feel a bit helpless sometimes. They They don't know what to do. They've never been in this situation before. Um, So they are often very grateful and and wanting any kind of help that they can get. Um, But there is, you know, they have moments, they have good days and bad days like we do. And so there might just be a day where they're feeling off and they just don't want any help from anyone. Um, So we have to respect that as well. Yeah. And how much do you feel like your psychology degree helps you now even every day? Oh, absolutely, all the time. I think that I have a better understanding of why my patients think the way they do and um, particularly for stroke and brain injury patients that I get to work with, knowing what parts of the brain do what. So when I know where their stroke affected them, I can be more aware of what their deficits might be or or what areas we might need to work on together. Um, Yeah, I'm so grateful for it. And even just learning how to talk with people and communicate and understand other people's emotions and the stages of grief and everything all of that has just been so helpful in my everyday OT life that is amazing I love how everything just really does tie together and God or whatever you believe like you have a plan and you all of your experiences helps with everything else it's so cool absolutely Well, I think that's all of the questions that I have specifically related to OT. So I wanted to open it up now if there was anything that you thought I hadn't touched on or anything else that you wanted to share about OT in particular. Not really. I think it's just such a beautiful career and there's so many opportunities for it. Um, I think that it's far bigger than what people expect it to be. Even like I'm still learning how much OT can do in so many different areas. Um, So I think it's probably a great career to go into if you're not quite sure and want to have a taste of everything yeah beautiful
Well, then I love to conclude with, I guess, again, just thinking about how everything works out and your life now looks so different than it did 10 years ago and you've learned so much and had so many experiences. So in saying all of that, if you could go back and give your 15-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? I love this question. Um, I think my advice would be that I'm not more powerful than God and that um, I will actually not be able to blow up his plan for my life. And at 15, I spent so much time in fear that I would ruin God's plan for my life if I didn't have that perfect job or that boyfriend or whatever it was. And then I forgot that his plan for my life is far greater than what I could even imagine. And that's because of who he is and his grace. And um, I think like Jeremiah 29, 11 has been a huge verse for me and um, you, you know, you know that one so well, but um, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Um, so I guess my advice to myself would just be to let go and let God be in charge. Beautiful. Shivers all up and down. I I always ask that question selfishly because I know that whatever advice you guys are going to share is going to be so amazing and beautiful. And I remember a few months ago reading a similar thing um, saying, you are not, don't think of yourself as powerful enough to mess up God's plan for you. And it just brought me so much peace being like, of course I can't mess it up. Why? That's so arrogant of me to think that I have enough power to mess it up. And yeah, that's definitely brought me a lot of peace as well. Arnie Fee will often send me that Jeremiah verse, which is so sweet of her, but always at the perfect time as well. Just that reminder. He, he knows what he's got in store for us. And if we just keep on being faithful, we can't mess it up, which I think is really powerful. Definitely. Hold that one very tight. I will. Thank you for that reminder. And thank you so much for your time and for sharing everything so openly and also confidently. You're so articulate. I hadn't forgotten that, um, but it was very beautiful. And I think think you revealed a lot of different experiences and opportunities that you had had that people wouldn't have realized like you said that OT covered that many things but I also think for people interested in psychology it's really helpful to hear both perspectives and how even if you don't end up as that as your career it's going to help you in every possible aspect of your life so thank you so much for sharing and thank you for your time thank you it's been an absolute pleasure and that was the wonderful Catherine. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as I did hearing about her whole life story and the journey and all the ways that it worked out and tied together in a beautiful way that no one probably ever could have quite imagined. I also want to mention that after we had finished recording the episode, we continued to chat for a while and I shared some of the reasons that I hadn't necessarily considered OT or nursing or other things like that. And I was discussing how I feel like people who want to work in the hospital just love the hospital. They're obsessed with it. They say the first time I ever walked into a hospital, I knew it was my home. It was where I was meant to be. I was always going to work there. Or they're obsessed with every little part of a body and they think every little, I almost said atom, cell, every little part of the body is so special and unique and important. And I'm like, I just, I'm not that way. So I feel like it's not right for me. And she was like, oh, I should have shared this. I actually hate the hospital. I hate when like the curtains around the bed. I hate walking in there and smelling that every day. I really don't like that environment, but I like what I'm allowed to do and enabled to do in that environment. So I just wanted to share that because I think we can sometimes think that if we're not super passionate about it, if we don't come alive 
in the hospital, like how Joe was saying last week or my Auntie Fee in the nursing episode, uh, we feel like it's not right for us. But I think there's a middle ground there somewhere. And even if maybe the hospital isn't your dream place to be every day, that I don't think you should rule your out, you rule yourself out from some of those jobs. So yes, thank you once again to Catherine. I really appreciate your time and sharing everything. It was beautiful to hear more of your story. And to everyone who listened, I hope that this answered some of your questions. I hoped you felt a little bit more seen in your journey and your timeline, whatever that may look like. And I hope it encouraged you to think about psychology and OT and a whole range of other options that you could study. Just want you to know that you are not alone and you are not behind in life. And I hope you have a fabulous week. Share this with someone who might be interested in psychology or occupational therapy or someone you think who would be really great at it. Sure, they would appreciate knowing what other options are out there for them and also knowing that someone else believes in them and acknowledges their skills and what that might be useful for in the workforce. So yes, I thank you for taking some of your time out of the day to listen to this. I really hope it benefited you in some small way or another. And with that, have a fabulous week and good luck, Charlie. Bye. Good luck, Charlie.